Osiris. Hey, this is Chris Pandolfi from the infamous String Dusters, and this podcast is part of the Osiris podcast family. Osiris is a growing community of music and culture podcasts connecting music fans with conversation, commentary, and music. Osiris. Welcome in to episode 94 of The Bluest Tape. I'm Harvey Couch alongside Jeff Cola. And thanks for joining us as we take our occasional journey through the live catalog of widespread panic. We're still alive, folks. Uh, know that it has been, it's been a minute since we have uh, released an episode, but, um, you know, hopefully we can, we can pick up the pace uh, here as we, as we enter the autumn season. Um, we, we stumble towards Halloween and we stumble towards our 100th episode, which hopefully we'll I get know. to before the end of the year. Yeah, lots of big things. I mean, I I feel like, uh, yeah, well, we can do guests. I feel like we have news, you know, I mean, so we've got the the Milwaukee shows coming up. We have obviously uh, Panic Halloween uh, in in New Orleans coming up. We have um, New Year's at the Fox. They announced uh, a run, a five night run at the Beacon uh, in the spring. There's uh, there was an announcement that uh, Hannah's Buddies is coming back in 2020. I feel like there's a lot there's a lot going on. What what do you uh, where, where do you want to jump? Where do you want to enter the pool? Uh, we can start with the Beacon. I think it's great that they're doing it, and they're doing it you know right around the same time that the Almond Brothers would have kicked off their usual March run at the Beacon. So yeah. tip of the cap to them. Um, I will say that if it if I didn't have a four-month-old in my life. I would have looked at that and been like, well, hell yeah, let's go do some of this. Um, five nights at the Beacon seems fun, and I'm uh, and happy so for does everybody so that does, got tickets. So does a second mortgage. That sounds fun, too. So does a second mortgage, and uh, New York, because New York is, it, from what I've been told, New York is one of the most inexpensive cities in the country to uh, to visit. Very affordable. And, very very affordable very affordable the tap beer is very cheap um but uh but yeah i'm excited for there's some people here in memphis that i know that go to shows pretty regularly they got some tickets and they're very excited and uh we've been talking about maybe doing a special uh there's was a, a, a an idea provided to me by one of our, one of my friends who's been to a bunch of shows and still goes to a bunch of shows with his sister actually Um, that we do a listening party for one of the nights of the beacon. And then we record an episode of the pod while at the, um, at the listening party, which I thought wasn't a bad idea. Um, or we could figure out some way using technology. Where would said listening party occur? I know I'd probably just do it in my closet here. I think we could, uh, we just did a big fall clean, there's some more room in our closet now. Um, no, we'd probably do it on uh, this. My friend Jay's deck, which is very, uh, very nice, and we can listen, and maybe we could uh, smoke some meats, and uh, and uh, come up with something. So, okay. Well, well, we're taking ideas. Maybe this is like a destination. I mean, it could be a destination time, uh, event for for the podcast. Not in New York, but maybe in one of our towns. 
One thing um, I know that some of the uh, some of the other Osiris folks have done, the, the fish folks have done, is like uh, like live uh, set break pods. Oh yeah, I like that idea. So you know, while folks are at home doing the couch tour, uh, you yes. just you know during set break you pop in and you talk about the first set. And, you know, do we have the technology to do that live? Uh, I mean, I'm sure you could figure it out, right, Jeff? <laughs> well, don't put. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm writing it down. Set break pop ins beacon 2020. I like this okay. idea a lot. All right. Um, it'll be the uh, I think it'll be the last week, or last regular season weekend of college basketball that weekend, uh, where Memphis will be completing its undefeated regular season. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> We have to have that episode at some point too, where we yeah. uh, do our college basketball predictions. And I, 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 noticed, I, go, um, I go full on Tiger. I noticed that the uh, the football Tigers are hosting the uh, the Green Wave this weekend. They um, are. That's a and big. Uh, it's a big, big matchup. The Green the Greenies are pretty hot this year, so that'll be an interesting uh, game. The uh, it was a very, an interesting football weekend in my house because the Tigers the Tiger okay. The Tigers did get screwed on a fourth down catch, no catch call. Reversal, it was called right. a catch on the field. It's overturned. It was not conclusive. However, they shot themselves in the foot, turned the ball over a bunch of times, should have won the game going away, but, you know, it's the, those things. So I'm not going to blame the call. And then last night, Monday night, the Packers get an absolutely gift-wrapped victory courtesy of the referees for pass interference, no calls, two illegal hands to the face calls that weren't illegal hands to the face, and probably some other things too. So, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. It old, all evens uh, out in the end. It all evens out. Even Steven. It's like throwing $20 out the window and finding $20 in your pocket. All right. So um, just to, to finish up thoughts talk on – about panic nudes? Yeah, we got pan, panic nudes. That's, that's, that's what we do. Um Back to the beacon. So this will be the uh, the first five night run stateside, uh, and the first five night run since the Chesterfield in '98, which was essentially, I guess, two five night runs to make a ten night run. Um, but the first time since then, really, the only other time that that Panic will do five nights in a single uh, venue. And uh, so the question that I threw out in, on Twitter, which everybody seemed to dismiss is, of course, um, is, you know, w- will we see any repeats in the five nights? Um, because, you know, we use, I, I'd have to go back and look, but I'm pretty sure like in some of the, the you know, the, the four night Mexico runs, they see some repeats, uh, some of the four night They've done four nights at the Fox before where you see some repeats on the fourth night. Um, but is is there something and, – and you got to think. I mean, they're not going to be that many people doing the full five-night run at the Beacon. So, um, Z-Man will. Z-Man <laughs> I'm sure there will be, be certain there. certain folks that Bennett, will. But <clears throat> Bennett Schwartz will be there. I, give it, I, I bet you. Um, but I just wonder if that gives them – I don't know. What's your what's your initial thought? Do you think they, they go – I mean, I hope that they do all, you know, no repeats. But, but I don't know that it's a guarantee. Uh, I think they can. I mean, obviously they. Oh, can they can. Do There's it. no doubt they can. It's um, just, will know. they do it? I would like to see a run that starts with takeout and ends with ends with porch song, okay. or as a or a split driving run. 
or okay. a split chili run of some kind. I think a split driving run would be a pretty uh, sharp, sharp yeah. thing. Okay. Um, you can take band if you're listening. You should take that idea. Yeah, um, those are good. But I, I'm going to call no repeats over five nights. Okay. I think that's a safe. The, I think it's a safe bet, but you yeah, know the catalog is so vast now, and I, mean, I think we've talked about this before. I, 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 and I need to find this document. I still have it. My uh, ni- uh, 1999 five night, five or six night run with no repeats, and it was possible back then. Of course, that band would never have done that. They never would have done five nights with no repeats. I don't think mm-hmm. this band will. Um, and that's not, uh, I'm not judging. It's just, I think what the way that it is. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, that, that's fine. I mean, I'm just like, so I'm, I'm looking, I guess, I guess maybe I'm mistaken. I felt like that there were some, so it looks like 2017 La Playa, there were no repeats. 18, there were no repeats. Um, let's see, maybe 16, there was, uh, no, I'm not seeing any in 16 either. I could have sworn that there were some years where, um, where they brought some songs back. It looks like 2012, they played busted big on the first show and the last, but maybe that was the only one. So, eh, maybe, maybe I stand corrected on the, um, but I do know at least in the five nights at the Chesterfield, there were certainly repeats, um, even in the individual five night runs, you know? Um, so that'll be, that'll be something fun to look forward to. Um, yeah. And, uh, and then the other thing is, uh, Hannah's buddies, JB and friends coming back this year for the first time. Um, it was like 2012 maybe was the last, uh, let's see. And are the, have the buddies been, or have the, the buddies, the friends been announced yet? Uh, they have not. It looks like 2014 was the most recent, uh, the most recent. So it's been, it's been six years. Uh, so details to come is what it says. So that'll be something to look forward to. Um, but the other thing, the most, uh, imminent event is, uh, is another run in, uh, in Milwaukee. And that's what we're going to talk about, um, this week. So, um, what is it that is so special about Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Jeff? Milwaukee is a great city. Um, there's this whole thing, uh, in the upper Midwest along Lake Michigan and some of the other great lakes, this concept of the third coast, which, links Milwaukee closer to Chicago, linking to Detroit, Cleveland, and so on. And Milwaukee is very much more culturally aligned with Chicago um, in terms of heavily German city, heavily Polish city, and those traditions are really run through in terms of food, in terms of the bar culture and everything else. Milwaukee is so much different than the rest of Wisconsin. Um, and Actually, I think mostly in a good way, and I'm from Wisconsin, so I think I can say that. But I would say it has some of the it has some of the good sort of cultural Wisconsin things that are you know not city. Yeah, type things. I mean, the, the, yeah, the concept of the corner bar is obviously critical to Milwaukee. The bar is the the public school, the bar, and the church are like the three main community hubs in cities like Milwaukee. And it's just a great city. Lots of really cool stuff. Milwaukee Art Museum's great. Harley Museum's pretty good. If you're into that sort of thing, we've got the Bucks, the new arena. It's 
great. The brewers were in. Um, but of course, the thing I want to talk about is beer. And we've talked a lot about beer on this podcast. And um, Milwaukee is the place for beer. Obviously, that's where Miller Brewing started. It's where Pabst was. Um, it's where Slitch started. Milwaukee's best. Milwaukee, <laughs> Milwaukee's best. Actually, I think Milwaukee's best might be a creation from somewhere else. But I think it's a, it's a, that's a Miller. That's yeah, a Miller, old right? Milwaukee is yeah. a creation of not Milwaukee. But uh, they're making Pabst in Milwaukee again, and they've redone the old Pabst Brewery. And um, anyway, great domestic macro brews that you can drink 15 of. I, I recommend all of them, especially PBR, which is near and dear. But the three breweries I want to talk about, four breweries I want to talk about are, the first is Lakefront Brewing Company, which makes pretty good beer. Um, there's not really a single one of their flavors that I would say without a doubt you need to try. I love the Fuel Cafe coffee. Uh, I think it's a porter. It's been so long since I've been gone. I don't even remember what kind of beer it is, but I remember I liked it. And I'm sure they have a good Oktoberfest. But their tour, brewery tour, is one of the best brewery tours in the country, I think. Truth. Go on the Brewmasters tour. Uh, with the owner of the owner of the company, I think they have it at a uh, late afternoon on Friday. You can go to it before the uh, before the uh, the gig. Um, great tour. The guy that runs the place is hilarious. The samples are abundant. It's cool. They have the old Bernie Brewer stand from Milwaukee County Stadium in the brewery. Um, great place. The Sprecher tour is also pretty good, which is a little bit further north. Um, Sprecher beer. Sprecher beer is okay. Um, a lot of people like the root beer in their orange soda, but last time I went there, I went with a bunch of people that didn't really drink beer. So I got unlimited samples. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably what colors my thoughts <laughs> on the Sprecher tour. Um, the other two other brewery that I'm really into right now from Milwaukee is third space, which is, I believe in the third ward or just east west of the third ward kind of headed towards uh, Miller park um, great, relatively new brewery. Maybe it's been open less than a couple of years. They have a beer right now called Happy Place, which is described as a Midwest pale ale. So it's very hoppy, but it also is really easy to drink. It's a really a cool, very almost perfect beer, I think. Um, mm. Right around five percent ABV. It's great. You won't ter- won't won't treat you wrong. I really like Good City Brewing a lot too, which is also kind of downtown. And they have two flavors that I'm a big fan of that I tend to bring back home, bring back from Madison usually when we go home for the holidays. And that's a uh, Detail Porter and then their Motto Pale Ale, which is another really easy drinking good pale ale. And that Porter is fantastic. And then another one that's really kind of interesting is Mobcraft, which is a crowdsourced brewery. So basically, if you've got a crazy idea for a beer and it wins whatever contest they have, they'll make it. So all kinds of crazy, all kinds of crazy flavors that are released, sort of, you know, infrequently, and they do have some regular flavors that they bring back quite a bit. But they have a tour as well, which I would imagine would be pretty interesting to learn about their process and and, and so on. Um, good record stores, uh, Bullseye Records, uh, which is up off of juno i believe which again my milwaukee geography is terrible right now so anybody from milwaukee that's listening i'm sure you're like he doesn't know what he's talking about but i know where things are but i can find them i just can't remember the streets uh <laughs> sorry again I'm blanking on so much right now um what are some of the air, na- you know sort of areas or neighborhoods if folks want to um you know, find a spot to, to get a bar and a bite to eat and, you know, some exploration type things. 
yeah, the third ward's great. It's sort of on the other side of the interstate from the venue. Um, the Milwaukee Public Market is over there, which is super cool. Lots right. Of yeah. No, I remember. Uh, I remember going to there uh, that for that that yeah. year. That year I spent in Milwaukee that one weekend. <laughs> it feels like that sometimes. Um, I like that that area a lot. That's a good bar area. There's a lot of famous bars sort of on the near north side. Pol- uh, Polskis is a favorite bar Polskis it's Wolskis Jesus Christ Jeff, okay. it's terrible maybe we should get an expert uh, Wolskis on is, I know right this is terrible I should have brought my friend Andy on uh, Wolskis is a great bar um, Von Trier is another really cool bar and that's kind of in this uh, neighborhood uh, near north side kind of close to the lake German influence there's a cool restaurant up there called Beans and Barley which is very cool um, all local local healthy food it's healthy food so if you, you don't need to eat sausage or cheese all weekend long um and then right around the venue has really changed too it's a lot better than what it used to be i think um when i was working there some what do you what what do you think it is about um about the city that has uh so enamored the band this will be the at the end of this three-night run that will be 35 shows at the riverside in the last 13 years um, I mean, it is one of the most consistent, you know, spots that they've hit. Really, I, I, I don't know that there's any venue other than Red Rocks that they have played as much uh, over the same period of time. What, what do you think it is about Milwaukee that that attracts attracts the voice so much? I think the ease of getting around the city. Um, you can walk so many places. I think it's a safe city. Um, the weather this time of year in Milwaukee and in Wisconsin in general is really great. So this is actually the perfect time to be there. Mm. Um, I mean, you can go, if you stay, you stay downtown, you can walk, you can take an Uber, whatever you can go to a brewery, you can go to a bar with a patio, sit outside. I mean, it could be 35 degrees. It could be 70 degrees, but sit outside, have a beer and just chill, watch college football on Saturday. Uh, watch pro football on Sunday afternoon and just, and just be around a bunch of people and see a bunch of people. Cause it's, it's all right there. It's a, it's a big city with a very small town feel. It's very comfortable. Um, and panic has always played great shows in Milwaukee. A lot of which we're going to talk about over the course of these next two episodes. Um, and for some reason, again, I feel like I'm just going to say things and people go, that's not true, but didn't JB's dad live in Milwaukee or something like that? Huh. That was what, I, that's what I, maybe that was a wives tale. He's from Cleveland, but he is from um, Cleveland, but that, I mean, that would sort of make sense. I mean, cause it does seem like not out of the ordinary. It just seems sort of yeah. random, right. That he, that they would otherwise, yeah. um, I mean, I guess I get once you started going someplace that it feels comfortable and, you know, maybe the venue staff is really great and the promoter or whatever, you know, yeah. puts these shows the on. is a great, the Riverside is a great venue. The same people that own the Riverside also own the Paps Theater and also own Turner Hall, which are three of my favorite places to see shows, not just in Milwaukee, but really anywhere. And the Riverside is just, it's, it's a great place, big place, but it's a big, but you're not, you're kind of on top of the band, even if you're upstairs. So the sight lines are really good and you're pretty close and it what, sounds great too. So what's the, as the size, I mean, like say compared to the Fox or the palace in Louisville small a little bit smaller i think okay or like maybe like the taft in cincinnati maybe uh, um, it's like 20 but it's probably i mean again, I'm 20, things that people yeah 2500 yeah. um 
think the last show I saw there, actually the last show I saw there was probably the Black Crows, but I've seen my morning jacket there a couple times. And uh, I saw it during the... Uh, the album with evil urges on it when they with, with like where they would hit the strobe lights like a bunch of times during the show and i just remember we were upstairs and looking down on the band and the band would just be wailing but these strobe lights would be hitting us and it's like it's so mean when you throw strobes at people and you don't have to deal with them uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> the band didn't have to deal with it. i think that was oh i saw them there in 06 and 08 and i think the 08 was the show right before jim fell off the stage huh. that uh, i think that was the next show that they played in i think in iowa um and I, and yeah, I would say that the Milwaukee is probably a good spot to to harness the sort of upper Midwest panic fans, you know, of which I think there are a lot in, you know, the Chicago area and in Iowa and, you know, in Wisconsin, yeah. Michigan. They can kind and of they used to make good runs <clears throat> through that area. And now they can just do this one run up in Milwaukee and kind of, you know, bring all those folks. Yeah. In. And it's the people are nicer than the people in Chicago, and you yes, have a lot of and you have a lot of general sort of a lot of the same stuff that you have in Chicago. That's yeah, probably a little and more affordable you, for folks to go to too. More affordable. It's easy. It's real. I mean, the airport's not as rocking as it used to be, but it's pretty easy to get to via Southwest and such. So I think there's quite still a handful of pretty good direct flights, and it's easy to get to from Atlanta and some of the other main hubs, but. Yeah, I mean, I'd be interested to know, like, the the people that have gone every year, like, what they do when they go to Milwaukee. Like, what's, mm-hmm. like, to them, what's the lure beyond the show? Right. Like, I'm sure they have breweries they go to, bars they go to, restaurants they go to. Um, and again, you can, like, go and you can just kind of live it up and live it up and not spend all the money in your wallet. Right. That's <laughs> um, true and have a good time and there's again it's just like if you just like to sit and if you just like to sit and drink milwaukee has plenty of those places to do it and you're you can just sit and chill and have a conversation and you don't have to shout over anything um so it's actually pretty it's nice in that regard too um all right so what we're gonna do over the next two weeks is play stuff from um from performances in Milwaukee. Uh, this episode, we are going to focus on um, Hauser era. And then uh, next episode will be uh, post Hauser era. I guess we need, maybe we need to come up with abbreviations for that. But um, anyway, uh, we'll get into, we'll get into that. Um, but before we do anything that you want to share uh, with the people that you discovered over the last uh, month since we've recorded? Uh, there's probably a handful of music and stuff. Of course, I wish I could say that Bluff City Law, Mondays, 9 o'clock Central, 10 Eastern on NBC, is the uh, the best new show of the season. It's it's really not, and we're all nervous here in Memphis that it's going to get uh, going to get the going to get canceled after its ten episodes run. But it's been great to see the uh, the cast and the crew around town, and they just filmed down the street from the Stax Museum the other night or the other morning. So um, you know, it's bringing a lot of attention to the city, a lot of good attention to the city. So we're grateful. But um, if you like Jimmy Smits, you'll like the show. But I think the thing that I'm going to go to is. I'm going to recommend a new sports program on the television. A sports program. 
sports entertainment program, to be honest. It is Wednesday nights on TNT. Um, it is All Elite Wrestling, Wednesday Night Dynamite. Um, which, did you ever think I would recommend wrestling on this program, Harvey? I figured it was oh, just a matter God, of time. That's a great um, So basically, this is a new promotion that is bankrolled by the Khan family, which owns the Jacksonville Jaguars. And sort of the, the figurehead of the organization is uh, Cody Rhodes, the son of the great Dusty Rhodes, the American mm-hmm. Dream. His brother Dustin's okay. also in the promotion. Um, if you just like old school not wrestling without all the bells and whistles and flash and stupid story and stupid special effects and dumb storylines and all that kind of stuff. And you just like, if you like old school WCW NWA territorial wrestling, yeah. this is your show. Okay. Um, I might give that a so, shot. I like the cons. And I, Jer- and I like the, uh, yeah. um, I like the folks that you've talked about so far. It's not stupid like W like Monday night and Friday night have become. Chris Jericho is the champion who, even though he's rocking a serious dad bod at the moment, <sighs> is still like one of the best. He's just one of the best ever. And what is um, it? So what is it called? All All Elite Wrestling, uh-huh. and uh, it they've they've probably needed to workshop that a little bit first, but <laughs> AEW, yeah, it's a little it's a little clunky. Um, but it's got a lot of great young young uh, athletes in the in the promotion, and it's really good. And again, just get, if you like it, if you like wrestling, and realize that WWE is stupid, um, which I think a lot of people have, and probably people did early on when they were like eleven, and they realized it was stupid, and you're like, I'm too old for it, and I'm eleven. Um, give AEW a try. You might like it, or you might not. But it's a it's it's worth a shot, and it's on relatively free TV. So. Check it out. Um, I thought for a second that you were going to um, that you were going to say <clears throat> NFL primetime, which has been ah, yeah. which has come back on uh, on ESPN Plus with uh, with Chris Berman and Tom Jackson, and um, I have to say, like that was, I mean, I am not a big Chris Berman fan, but I mean. Mm-hmm. NFL primetime was appointment viewing as a, ch- oh, man, as a it kid. Was amazing. And, and I have to say, it's still like, I don't know if it's just the like, um, nostalgia. if it's just the nostalgia <laughs> of it, but it, I actually still enjoy it. It's not, you know, he's a joke, but I mean, he, he does really good with the, you know, his little things that he does when he, when he calls the games and, and TJ is mm-hmm. still pretty good. And so, uh, if you get a chance, do they still use the same music? Yes. Oh, yeah. You gotta have the yeah. Get get out of here if you don't have the music. You have to have the music. Right. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, the music's amazing. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just, worth watching. Uh, I will say that they stopped doing that once the Sunday night football thing went to what NBC or something. Yeah, that was part of the deal yeah, that so. ESPN would back off of prime time. Right. I mean, NBC's highlight show is just not just doesn't do it yeah. and i guess the thing that was great about primetime was they showed a lot of highlights yeah. for every game yeah i mean it was a full hour so you, so you'd break down you, you know, pretty much 10 or 12 saw games. like every touchdown right. and again say what you want about berman if you knew nothing about this if you just watched primetime cold and didn't have your and this is in the days before cellular communication 
you didn't know the scores of the Bears Lions game, you know, because you, you didn't get it. It wasn't on your uh, well in the olden days. NFC, NFC was on CBS. You didn't get those games. You would just watch that, and it was like watching a whole game in you know ninety seconds or two minutes because they built the drama all the way to yeah. the end. Where when they got to the end of the segment, you're like, oh my god, I don't know who's gonna win. All right, it was great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yes, I, I, I have not watched it, but I saw it was coming back and it, it definitely piqued my interest. Yeah, it's worth, it's worth checking out. I've uh, <clears throat> subscribed to ESPN plus just to check it out. And it's like, you know, it still does the, you know, whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> it's good stuff. Which when he does it, it's fine. When Scott Van Pelt does it, right. I, I don't need no. to hear it. Um, um, I thought I, I I think I need to subscribe to ESPN Plus to watch all those uh, great Memphis Tiger games in the uh, hot American because <laughs> uh, they're not going to be on regular TV. Yeah. <laughs> they're going yeah, to be on regular TV like twenty sometimes this year. So there's they they have the big bundle the uh, the Disney Plus Hulu ESPN Plus bundle. I think it's going to be like twelve ninety nine or something uh, starting in November. Right. You, you are the uh, industry insider. Yeah. So. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good offer. Yeah. So, so that wasn't really going to be my recommendation. Although I do, I do recommend it. My my recommendation is um, is the new Sturgill Simpson album, Sound and Fury, which I have to be honest that I literally cannot stop listening. I just I can't stop. I listen to it every day, and I've listened <laughs> to it every day since it's come out. And, and honestly, like when I first heard, like saw, like maybe heard the first track or saw sort of some teases, I was like, eh, I don't know if this is really going to, going to be my jam or not. But I, I pretty much love every song on that album. And, uh, it, it breaks my heart that you're not, that you're not with me on this, Jeff. I'll give it some. Uh, I'll give it some more time, but it doesn't do it for me like the previous two records. I think Metter Modern is a recent classic. I would put it in my top ten of records of the last decade for sure. I think Sailor's Guide was really good too. Um, this one is going to take some time to grow on me, and like I said to you earlier today. I think it's going to be the outlier in his catalog and not necessarily the one that we look as a pivot point. I um, don't know. I might disagree though. Cause I think he is, I think he literally just doesn't care. And so you're, we're going to continue to see well, whatever it is that he feels like recording is what he's going to put. And it's going to be so, whatever. Okay, you well, know. And, and so you're going to see more, it, you're right? going to see more, I think, you know, weird, whatever, you know, whatever it is, whatever's the, the taste is, for him. I mean, I love, I love the concept of the record, you know, this mix of music and anime and the video for the, was it, was the video for Ronin? Was that what the video was for? The first one? No, I mean the entire, uh, so the entire album. No, the entire, every song has a, yeah, I mean, go to Netflix there. and watch yeah. Sound and Fury and it's the entire album oh, and wow. it's got, it's like six or seven different, of like the best anime artists in the world that each did a, a song. And so, you know, get you, get you a couple IPAs and whatever else you need and sit down in a dark room and turn it up and watch that and tell me that it's not, uh, you know, it doesn't, doesn't move the needle. It's, 
it's it awesome. Doesn't doesn't float my boat. Um, well, I will give it's that a shot. It's loud uh, and obnoxious and rowdy, and it's just yeah, it's everything I love out of music. I think that's okay. I think the I agree with the obnoxious part. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think that was that was no, and I think that was an intention. You know, obnoxious music too. Yeah, I mean, we just saw like the the twenty bands that were nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for next year, and there's a shitload of obnoxious bands on that on that list. I mean, Motorhead's obnoxious. (laughs) Um, Thin Lizzy has probably been called obnoxious in their day, but of course, I love them. But uh, yeah, there's a place for obnoxious music. And I think, so I'll give it another chance. Harvey, okay, for you. All right. and you'll come around. You'll we'll recognize. You'll recognize. Hey, I I will do. I am nothing if I I will. I, I admit I admit fault if I am wrong. Okay. Um. All right. So so let's move on to some uh, some panic. This is uh, you made all these picks, Jeff. I'm so proud of you. It was so nice to not have to do any work for this episode. <laughs> And you made some good ones. Uh, I thanks. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we've got <laughs> thanks, Harry. Uh, I don't know if that was backhanded or not, but it. Um, yeah, so Panic has played in Milwaukee a bunch a bunch of times. What did you say? Thirty five times. Thirty five at, at the Riverside, and so then add in another five, ten, twelve. So that's forty. After you know, after this run, it'll be forty seven shows in Milwaukee. That's surprising that they only had played there 12 times before that. Um, yeah, so it was... The first time they played there... The f- yeah, 92 was the first time they played there, which is interesting because they had played in Madison earlier when they opened for Blues Traveler, and they played there in fall of 91. They go to Milwaukee for the first time in summer of 93, or summer of 92, and then they pretty much play there every mm-hmm. year, with the exception of 94, 92, 93, 95, 96... Two shows in 97, 98, 99. Uh, nothing in 2000, I guess, was the year that they skipped. But they played Alpine Valley that year, which is too far. 01 and 02 at Summerfest, and then a four-year break, and then it's been the Riverside ever yep. since. Um, oh, sorry, no, three-year break, and then they played the Rave uh, with the great George McConnell. And... Um, and then 06, and then they've been at the Riverside ever since. So they played a lot of great shows. They played in some really, they played in some of my, again, some of my favorite venues, period. Not just in Milwaukee, but uh, period. And even the old Rave Eagles Ballroom has grown on me over the years. Um, I used to hate that place. Um, it was like a kind of place where you think you needed a tetanus shot, you know. It's to, just like a music hall, just there, like a but... cube with a stage and. Yeah, no, I mean it just it's an, an old Eagles Club, Fraternal Order is a Fraternal Order that of Eagles Club. Awesome. So there's a big the big ballroom and then the rave, which is a big black box with a balcony and then a big floor, and then there's the underground, which I've talked about before, where I saw Government Mule on July fifteenth, nineteen ninety nine, and my hearing has never been the same since. Um but we're going to get things started with the first time they came to Milwaukee, which is July 23rd, 1992, where they played at a venue called Shank Hall. And Harvey, can you tell me why Shank Hall is historically important? Um, I don't know. Did somebody get killed with a shank outside? <laughs> okay. Good guess. Shank Hall is the only venue that I know of. And again, I'm going to make these grandiose claims and I'm going to rely on our faithful listeners to correct me. 
the only venue that I know of that is named after a fictional venue from the movie Spinal Tap. Oh, wow. Uh, on, the, on the Spinal Tap tour, the tap plays Shank Hall in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is where uh, David St. Hubbins' girlfriend shows up to meet meet David and meet the band while they're on their tour. And that's a, they play, of course, they play another... And she becomes like the, the manager, right? Place. Yes. And so that was not a real oh. venue at all, but they named, they opened this club and they named it Shank Hall. So kudos to them for being a little tongue in cheek. Um, there's also the place I did not see panic there, but it is the place where I saw the best drive by trucker show I've ever seen, which was in May of 2005 with Isabel, which is still passing the bottle of Jack Daniels to the people in the front couple rows and like the band, full on standing on their monitors doing the, you know, three guitar army thing. Um, and just an amazing show, but so shake hall is really great. And so this little summer run of 90 of July, 92, they played the park West in Chicago, which we've never played anything from that show, right? Seven twenty two ninety two. 92. We haven't, we like haven't dug really much into, we haven't show. dug much into 92. I don't think. Yeah. That's a great show. There's an awesome stop, go driving song in that, in that, in that show they play milwaukee on the 23rd and then they play the uw madison memorial union terrace on the 24th which is just this amazing now it's a much fancier thing but at that time it was just a i don't know probably 100 150 square feet a semicircle with a roof over the top of it and then the giant lake mendota behind it and panic played there on the 24th and uh so we'll get started with the twenty third, and then we'll go right into. And, and I, before I, I just well, I just want to like while we're talking about that tour, <clears throat> obviously Horde uh, ninety two, you know, was a big. Uh, that was the first time of the Horde, um, and yes. uh, you saw we saw them play uh, the Capitol Theater in Port Chester, New York, opening up for the Radiators, uh, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> and then, uh, and then after this run, about a week, uh, two weeks later at the Phoenix Hill Tavern in Louisville, uh, 8492. That is a really good show. Mm-hmm. There, there have been tapes of that circulating for a while. So, um, well, let's do some 92 yeah. sometime soon. Um, so we'll play this show from July 23rd, 1992, and then we'll follow it up with the first time the band played at Summerfest, which those of you that have been to Summerfest, I'm sure you have as mixed feelings about it as I do. Um, this is the first time of one, two, three, four of six times that the band played at Summerfest, um, played at the Liney Lodge at the Cost Pavilion on July 8th, 1995. So we'll play a segment from that and then we'll come back in talk about it but let's get started july 23rd 1992 shank hall milwaukee wisconsin all right thank you milwaukee i'd like to thank the goonie birds for warming you guys up and squeezing in up here please put your hands together and welcome to the stage all the way from athens ga this capricorn recording artist widespread
Sang a song, I won't forget and die. Oh, some man like that, yeah, sunshine in his eye. Lived all alone in his own little home. He had a great big gallon jar, and there were bottles to one who had you. Better say, baby, more. Oh, the water.
Okay. If all of you knew the kind of technical difficulties we've had in trying to bring you the recap of this segment, you would appreciate the kind of love we have for all of you, our fans at the Bluest Tape. Our first segment. I like how you, I like how you say we when it's really just you. Harvey, we're in this together. <laughs> this isn't an I or a you. It's a we. It's like a it's uh-huh. it's a partnership, a true collaboration. Um, mm. Our first clip, July twenty third, nineteen ninety two, at Shank Hall in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The opening three songs of the set, "Disco," into "Ain't No Use," into "Heaven." So two covers and an instrumental right off the bat. And then the second segment uh, from a show, July 8th, 1995, the first time that the band played at the Summerfest uh, Festival stage, Liney Lodge at the Cost Pavilion, Cosmic's Headphones, based in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Who knew? They actually showed up in an episode of Mad Men, I believe. Um, and this is the last segment of the show, a one-set show with an encore. Crazy encore in this show. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm not alone into Chili Water, into Drums, into And It Stoned Me, which is just JB and Sonny, a slow porch song with JB, Sonny, and Mike, into Jam, into Chili Water. And then, like, talk about an all-time Murderer's Row on three-song encore. I don't think that, this is, I mean, it's pretty unprecedented, right? I mean, as far as these three songs, that yeah. it's pretty much like sickness. Although I will say, this is this is pre takeoff jam airplane. Yes. So um, take that with a grain of salt. But uh, airplane Hatfield Fishwater encore. Um, I don't think. I mean, again, we need the re- the research intern to figure this, these things out for us. But in terms of. Um, three original songs especially three original songs of this sort of magnitude has is there another encore that compares mm, that's a good question that is a great question for the intern um i don't know that i can off the top of my head i, I mean it's possible um yeah i don't know hmm. well anyway uh this 95 show is really interesting. It's really funny because going to college in Wisconsin and meeting friends that I went to panic shows with and, you know, you all and you end up at school and you find people in your dorm that have similar music tastes. This was a show that was not really readily available in my little circle, um, even on cassette of all things for the first year or so that I was in school. And then it sort of showed up from a very random place. There were always these guys i don't know what it was like at uk but in my school there are always guys and even some girls that like the same music that i did and like a group of us did and they all went to shows and they always had like fourth fifth sixth gen hissy you know 19 you know 82 or 83 dead tapes or god forbid something from the 90s and a bunch of fish shows and then all of a sudden you'd be looking through somebody's tapes and then a random show would just show up and be like, I've never seen this before. And that's how I heard this show for the first time, actually, was in somebody's, like, case logic, a single-tiered case logic, not the zipper, the kind that you would kind of rest up against a wall. You know, probably what? What is that, like a 4 by where were they, like 4 by 10 or 5 by 10 held 50 tapes, maybe? Um, Handwritten. It was on an XL2, not on a, a, a the uh, the really hissy kind. Like a TDK SA90 yeah. or something. Yeah, it was on an SA90. 
but it was just one of those random things like, wow, how did you get this? I've never even seen this on anybody's <laughs> list before. <laughs> What, what did I miss? And of course it was like, again, like a third or fourth gen, something somebody they knew recorded on analog with like a D5 or worse and then like a single stereo mic. And it didn't sound great, but that was probably the first time I heard it. And then I think got it, eventually got it on DAT and was able to upgrade it. And I think, I think I don't know, if, was this a show that you and I helped put into the world with our massive 95 Shin Flack project, 95, 96 project? I don't really remember. Um, but let's get to the second segment of shows. We have two shows, again, from Classic Era Panic. Uh, this time, a show that we've talked about a lot um, for this great uh, fall 96 tour um, this is 11196 from the Majeska Theater really just an amazing show and a super cool venue in a part of town that you would not expect to go see a widespread panic show at least in this day and age right now it's a pretty heavily Latino part of Milwaukee a very cool venue um, saw, I myself saw a show there I think I saw G-Love and the Special Sauce there of all bands back in like spring break of 98 maybe um anyway but a great show and we're going to play a selection from the second set right at the start of the second set and get it kicked off with airplane and then the last segment of the show a show i did not go to um went to the first two shows i went to the shows after this in uh minneapolis cedar rapids and the madison shows afterwards uh 10 the third show of the fall tour on a sunday never miss a sunday show and they really bring the heat with this incredible encore that will get kicked off with a with a driving song and so let's get it started with 11196 from the majeska milwaukee wisconsin let's hear it
All right, let's bring it back with uh, the third segment that we played this evening, November 1st, 1996, from the Majeska Theater in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Right at the start of the second set, again, an incredible run of shows that gets started in... Kalamazoo, Michigan, sorry, Kalamazoo, Michigan at the State Theater, a show that we played, played some selections from before, head on down to Cleveland to play at the Odeon on the 30th, and then over to the Aragon Ballroom on Halloween in Chicago, great show, Radar Love, Space Truckin', Riders on the Storm for the first time, and then they head up by 94 to Milwaukee and really just bring the thunder with this amazing show, and again, right at the start of the second set, Airplane into Aunt Avis, into B of D, into Jack, and this Aunt Avis is just nasty. Nasty, really just a, a great um, build into the song from Airplane. Mikey playing some really great swells. I can just imagine him on stage standing and the fan blowing his hair around and kind of backlit, this really kind of ominous, dark figure. And uh, really takes the song, which is, isn't exactly the lightest song in the catalog, really takes it to a dark place. And the B of D just is fantastic. And, and Harvey, I know that you've got something to say about... Um, this version of Jack. Yeah, I just love this Jack. I don't know if if it's just because I've listened to this show so many times, but it really it almost feels like the quintessential live Jack version. Um, I don't know if there's anything specifically that stands out. It just it feels like just so right. Um, the other thing that I wanted to point out, you picked a fantastic segment of the show, the airplane Avis B of D Jack to start the second set. But also I just wanted to point out that the rest of the second set is pretty much uh, pure heat too. Uh, after this Jack, they go dear Mr. Fantasy and then walk on gilded splinters into drums back into gilded splinters. And then just a massive diner is um, like comes in about 15 minutes and then, uh, and then a tall boy closer before the, uh, the stone me red beans encore. So yeah, I mean, great show, great segment. Um, just panic at the peak of their powers for sure. Um, let's get into the 98. The, the 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 last segment we played October fourth, nineteen ninety eight, Eagles Ballroom, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the encore, and we talked about this encore from seven eight ninety five with Airplane Hatfield Fishwater. Um, this one's right up there too. Driving song, Pusher Man, driving song, Breathing Slow. What a way to end a strong opening weekend for Panic again. The first night up in Minneapolis, that show was pretty good. Fishwater climbed to safety opener. Very short show. The next night in, in Cedar Rapids, again, a short little first set, but a really rocking and pretty dark second set. Strong encore, uh, Legba and, and Henry Parsons. And then they head on up to Milwaukee. And again, Holden in the first set. You got yours in the first set. Ride Me High, Hatfield. Um, getting started with the second set, going out west, Roberta Ain't Life Grand. Kind of slow things down with Nobody's Loss. And then it really picks up post drums. And I think we played, Harvey, the Proving Ground, Me and the Devil, Proving Ground from the second set in this encore, which is just pure fire. Um, and you can hear the crowd just sort of go, oh, what is going on? Um, and just a, a good panic really at the height of its powers. Again, we've, we, we kind of have glossed over 98. We're really 95, 96, 97, 2000 guys. But this is a great example of a really solid 98 show and for a tour that I think is near and dear to both of us. And well, near and dear to me, at least in uh, fall 98. And this is a really great segment. I don't know, Harvey, what do you think about it? Yeah, I just wanted to point out that um, 
I did find it a little interesting that they had done a driving sandwich with breathing slow in the encore the year before at Summerfest. So this uh, this one that we played from '98, um, driving pusher man, driving breathing slow. Uh, the year before, on July 5th, 1997, was Driving Disco, Driving Breathing Slow, um, of which we commemorated in a uh, t-shirt. If you want to support the Blues Tape, go to teespring.com uh, and the Blue, uh, Blues Tape store and get yourself a, a sweet Blues Tape Driving Song t-shirt. But, um, I do, but I do find it interesting that there have been a grand total of eight encore driving songs uh, in the Hauser era. And all but one were accompanied by Breathing Slow, and two of them were in back-to-back years in Milwaukee. So uh, 92, 9-30-93, 5-9-97 in Chicago, 7-5-97 in Milwaukee, 10-4-98 in Milwaukee, 10-31-98 in, uh, in New Orleans. That was the only non-Breathing Slow. That was the driving uh, over the hills and far away, driving uh, Henry Parsons encore, uh, and then five one ninety nine in New Orleans, and then seven eight zero one, a show that we attended at Deer Creek, uh, which had the uh, unsplit driving breathing so encore, which was sublime. So uh, so anyway, just want to put a little bit of a historical perspective on that one. You uh, think we're about uh, about time to put a bow on it? Well, thanks everybody for tuning in to the first part of our our first episode in our two-part series on Milwaukee getting ready for the three-night run at the Riverside here in a couple weeks or soon, sooner than that, I guess. Um, played some Mikey air shows from 92, 95, 96, 98 in the next episode, which will also be looking at Milwaukee. Uh, we're going to play some Jimmy and we might... Dun, 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 might play something from the George McConnell era um, from 2005 so something to look forward to next week promise if we do it you won't be disappointed we wouldn't disappoint our, our, our grateful fans again thank you so much for tuning in follow us on the Twitter follow look at follow us on the Facebook email us let us know what you'd like to hear what you like what you don't like um, Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and share it with all your friends. Um, it's hard to believe we've got 94 episodes. We're really, really getting close to to 100. And so if you all have any ideas for, 100, for our 100th episode or some people you'd like to uh, have us talk to, uh, let us know. Um, we're going to close things out, though, uh, with a song about Milwaukee, or sort of Milwaukee's in the title, one of my favorite songs. This is the... A, a cover of a song that George Jones and Tammy Wynette, I think, did first, and then it was done by the great uh, Dolly Partner, <laughs> Dolly Partner, Dolly Parton, and her singing partner, uh, Porter Wagner, and that is Milwaukee, Here I Come. Osiris. Said, let's go to Tennessee. So we came down to Nashville to the 
ago And now I'd trade my old Ford for a nose Honey, I might get all drunk up and trade it for a rose But there's one thing I know for sure I'll always be blue There ain't no way to 